Welcome to the 320 Podcast, where we encourage you to reach for the immeasurably more life with Christ. From discussions on scripture, to poetic messages, to dreaming big with Jesus, you will enjoy a variety of episodes brought to you by Shelley Wilson Ministries. To find out more about Shelley Wilson Ministries and the many resources available to you, please visit our website at www.shellywilsonministries.org. I know that the Lord has a word uh, for you, and so I hope that you'll stay long enough to get that word. Um, he's been faithful to to really uh, turn my heart to his heart in this matter. And so anyways, um, I want to just dive in tonight and talk to you about the vineyards in the valley. And there's actually a passage of scripture in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 that I want to focus on on this particular message this week. And really draw out some some gems, um, some nuggets of truth in here that I think we pass over really too quickly. Um, and I probably say that a lot because I think that we do that quite a bit in the Word. We become so used to something that we, we no longer um, hear the breath of God in a scripture, uh, His Word. Sometimes, you know, things become so familiar, we overlook really important things. Um, and... During my time of, of valley season, God pulled this scripture out and caused it to become alive to me. And so it was really one of the most important scriptures that I clung to, knowing that God had a purpose in a sorrowful season for me. And so that's really what I'm hoping in my heart that he gets to your heart tonight, is if you're in a a season of deep despair, of loss, of um, broken heart, of grief, of depression. Um, if you're kind of wandering aimlessly, you don't really think you have a purpose in your life and you're, you're in, a, in a place where you just, you don't think life has a meaning, then I believe this message is for you um, as well tonight. Um, the scripture says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. And bring her into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her there. And there I will give her her vineyards, and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she will sing as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Now it's really fascinating because the Lord tells us a little bit about valleys right there at the beginning. It says he will allure us there and bring us there. And so... You know, a lot of times we'll think that a season of despair is caused by the enemy or caused by other people. And the truth is, the word is telling us that sometimes a valley season is because he has allured us there. And so that word actually means brings us. And so he brings us there. And so there, there is a purpose in the heart of Christ when he allures you to a, a valley season. It's not happenstance, coincidence. It's not for something trivial. There's something actually quite profound that he's trying to do in your life, and just like he did in my life during that time. He tells us also in Isaiah 40, verse 4, that every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. Also, in Isaiah 41, verse 18, I will open rivers in high places, and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. He is constantly talking to us about the valley or the wilderness in the Bible. 
And we know that they had to cross, the Israelites had to cross through the wilderness to get to the promised land. They had to pass through that. And so it's going to be the same for us. And a lot of times we think we're buried in a valley or buried in a wilderness when the truth is God is planning something there so um, so purposed for our lives that it is absolutely the critical moment, the mature, the maturing of our faith. It's the intimacy of Christ that becomes real evident in our walk with Him. He's trying to draw us close to Him during that season. There's also in Isaiah 43, verse 19, and these are just scriptures that taught where He's talking to us about the valley or the wilderness. It says, Behold, this is Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I think that's so awesome because when he says I'll make a road in the wilderness, you know, sometimes that's a brand new road. It's a road you haven't traveled before. And in our humanness, our human ways, our bent is to remain on similar roads that we're familiar with. And it's really our comfort level and so sometimes God is trying to, to move forward with a new road to put us on a new path, um, to give us a new assignment. Um, it, it, it not only is true um, when you first come to Christ, when you and I first surrender our lives to Christ, that the old will pass away and the new will come. He is going, he's going to reclothe us in, in His righteousness. We're going to get new royal robes um, because of the death on the cross that Christ went through for us. And so through the, His redemptive work, we are new in Him when we surrender our life to Him and he, and he has control of our lives. But it's also very important, even if you've walked with the Lord for years and years and years, and I see this all the time with leaders in ministry, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in some unexpected circumstance, valley, and it it cripples us, and um, for a season, we're just bewildered. We don't even really know what's going on, and, and that's how I was. I, I was like, what in the world? Um, you know, I'd been obedient to the Lord the best I knew how. I wasn't living in sin in any way that I knew of that I had not confessed. I mean, we all have sin, but you know what I mean. I wasn't practicing sin, which means you're just you're in a constant state of pattern of sin. You're not really repenting, which means change and go a new direction. Um, so that wasn't my situation. And, and maybe that tonight, or the people I'm talking to, you're you're sitting there and you're going, you know, Lord, I did everything I, I thought I was supposed to do. I've been obedient to the best of my ability. I, I've, I've done your work. I've served you. Um, I've sacrificed everything in, in many respects. I've, I've lost people. I've lost friendships. I've lost homes. I've lost of finances maybe you have, um, you know, and it just didn't seem to work out. But see, God may be trying to make a new road for you in the wilderness, um, and he did that for me. He redirected me. My valley was a complete repositioning uh, for me in ministry, and so I, I want to hope somebody hears that tonight, that it is likely God is repositioning you. And sometimes that's that's kind of painful, but, um, you know, he's got to plow up some ground to make a new road sometimes. And so, uh, if you want to write that down, it's Isaiah forty three nineteen. Um, 
very interesting facts about the valley. You know, uh, we can learn from every little thing in the Word. And I had pulled up just interesting things about what is a valley. And I'm talking literally at this point. Um, there are mountains and there are valleys. What I've learned is that valleys and mountains are connected, so you can't have one without the other. Isn't that interesting? And um, that's a geographical issue, um, and it's very real. And so a valley is also a depression that is longer than it is wide. And that kind of made me chuckle because I thought, amen to that comment, is a valley is a depression that is longer than it is wide. And I remember thinking, is this season ever going to end? And um, there were times I didn't have any hope that it would end. Although I was clinging to the truth of God's word right here, that I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. And I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. So the Lord was constantly telling me, Shelly, I'm going to open rivers. There's going to be fountains. There's going to be a pool of water. And all that dry land is going to become a spring. So I had the hope of his word, although it wasn't manifesting itself in the natural. It sure didn't look like anything was happening. But God was telling me it was. And so I was clinging to that. And then I began to ask the Lord in the middle of that place when I was kind of stuck there, what are things, Lord, that grow in the valley that can grow nowhere else? And um, he just began, I began pondering with him, you know. And I would say, I remember sitting in the bed one day and just saying, Lord, are there flowers that grow in the valley that can't grow anywhere else? I mean, show me some of that. I need to see some of your beauty right now. I know it's there, but I need you to, to reach down from heaven and really put yourself before me during this valley. And... Um, so I want to leave you, just, just think about that. Uh, so there may be flowers that he's trying to bloom in your valley that you haven't seen yet. He also plants seed. And I want to read this little poem to you because, you know, sometimes, especially if we've been raised in the church and we've walked with the Lord a long time, seed um, many times is provision or money. Uh, we're taught to sow seed, and that's a very good thing. But I want to tell you there are other seeds. There's seeds of compassion, and there's seeds of kindness, love, and patience. And it's the fruits of His Spirit that we're taught in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering with people. So that, those were the things that the Lord really set my heart and my eyes on in the valley was He began to cultivate, which is a, a term, cultivate, right, to grow, to work. Um, to plow up um, the ground in my heart to really increase my ability for compassion and kindness and love and patience with other people because it was something I needed that in some areas I felt like were lacking. And um, it's, it's something that in the body of Christ we must have, um, you know, to work with other people. In Numbers 24, verse 6, it says, Like valleys that stretch out, like gardens beside the river, like aloes, aloes, I'm sorry, planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters, water will flow from his buckets, and his seed 
will be by many waters. And I thought that was awesome. Um, this little poem is called Thy Seed. It says, What is this seed we ponder so, wrapped the only way we know? Provision? Met needs a tithe or two? Oh, can I share something with you? Think of that year of troubled storms, waves that crashed and tears that poured. For this is seed most precious grown, planted tenderly to be sown. For lest thy waves will meet their shore, the seed that overcomes deep morn will be but lost with beauty hid until it finds soft soul again. For one whose hope has not been found waits your seed to till his ground, blooming grace through eyes that see the beauty multiplied in need. So scatter, 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 friends. Let thy seeds blow in the wind like dandelions flying free for soil prepared for new-formed leaves. Hide thee not such precious seeds, no need to keep them secretly. The seasons come, the beds are formed, sow until new life is born. When we think of sowing seed, we often think in financial terms, however, some of the most beautiful seed to sow are named seeds of compassion, mercy, encouragement, and love. I'm finding some of the greatest seed of all is the seed grown from trials, pains, and valleys. The kind of seed that is not quickly planted and forgotten. The kind of seed meant to bear much fruit, to feed others. What seed of testimony is in your life? That most difficult road walked. The place of sorrow so deep that tears never seem to dry. For it is this place of your most fruitful work. Those tears will be healing oil for others in need. And that's out of a little uh, book the Lord gave me called From My Closet to Yours that I had written during my season in the valley. So what is that seed for you and I? For me, it was God planning poetry, a new gift that I had never known he was going to give me, certainly. And it began to sprout up. It was watered with my tears, watered with, I think, the tears of the Lord, too. It was my season of watering, and God was preparing my heart with compassion and love and gentleness and kindness. And, you know, sometimes when we go through something where we feel like we weren't given those by, by maybe people, where you feel like there were situations that happened where there just wasn't kindness or there wasn't love, or maybe people just weren't patient enough with you to let you work some things out. That that God really set me aside in that season and said, This is this is part of the problem with my body, Shelley, is I, I need you to go tell the people they're they're not exhibiting the fruits of the spirit. And, you know, sometimes we focus on the big things, the big work of God, or what we think is the big work of God when the big work of God is showing his fruits of the Spirit, this, those seeds of compassion and love and mercy and kindness to God's people. Likely, I won't have compassion for people if I haven't walked through what they're walking through. The seed is really our testimony. There's a little story. It's called, She Did, um, she did What She Could. And it talks about Mary in the Bible when she poured out the alabaster box on his feet. You know, she just did what she could. She gave her most expensive oil and poured it over the feet of the Lord and just worshipped him. And that was perfume to him. 
And the disciples, those who were closest to him, mocked her for that, you know, said, you you know, you should have sold that and given it to the poor. But see, to Christ, she did exactly the right thing. And so, you know, we have to we have to be careful because the seed he's trying to put in us in the body of Christ is that we are always mindful of another's heart. What I feel like he did for me in the valley was he he began to take away my heart and to replace it with his heart even more. And it was like a freshness. I I could all of a sudden feel what he was feeling when someone was hurting or I could see to the heart of people when they were suffering but they weren't telling anybody because see I remembered being there and I remembered kind of putting on a happy face and and wanting to pretend that everything was okay and and you know we hear a lot of times when people are in depression or, or grieving a loss we, we kind of hurl scriptures out at them you know God will never leave you or forsake you and all they need is a hug and we like to throw <laughs> throw Jesus at them instead of being Jesus to them and so during the valley season, for me, he, he began to show me those little bitty subtleties that are lacking in the body of Christ so that I could be more effective walking with him and so that I could now teach his people how to be more effectively and how to see different, not to see with human eyes, but to see with the eyes of the Lord. And it's very, it's very crucial that we get to that place today. The other thing I want to talk to you about is the Lord says the valleys, valleys, a fact about a valley, you should know, is a, a valley opens to wider fields. And so a valley could be in between two mountains. And so the gushing water, like a river, can cause a valley geographically. But eventually, that valley opens up to a wider field. And I think that is so spiritual, too. And it really, it really testifies back to the scriptures that we just covered, that I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of valleys. Um, I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God's telling us that there are treasures in the valley in the wilderness that we're not going to get anywhere else. Um, so as best you can, which is hard, to secure yourself, your footing in with the Lord and praise Him in the valley. Um, sometimes my prayers were only tears. And it reminded me much of like Hannah, who was in the Bible when she, she was praying, her lips were moving, but she wasn't saying anything, so they thought she was drunk. And to be honest with you, I think that was the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous person that moved the heart of God. And I think Christ is trying to get his church back to that place because, to be honest, we, we kind of pray a lot of shallow prayers and not that God can't move in that, but our hearts aren't even really connected to Him in our praying anymore. And so the Lord wants us to really be fervent in prayer and labor in prayer. And prayer is the hardest work we could ever do, but it's where His presence manifests too. So I wanted just to give you some literal things about the valley that are really important to your spiritual walk. And to our going from strength to strength and glory to glory. Now, I want to talk to you about and remind you, is it normal to be in a valley season? Because sometimes people think that if you start going through trials and struggles, that maybe what's happening is, or what you're doing is not of the Lord. And that's very contrary to the scriptures. Because David suffered loss. He suffered betrayal. He suffered 
uh, even a self-inflicted valley because of his uh, affair with Bathsheba, right? Not all of our valleys are self-inflicted. But David, who was a mighty man, a heart, the, a, a man who had a heart after God, um, suffered valleys. And he's certainly not the only one. Um, he spent most of his life running from Saul, who once was his best friend, who became jealous of his success. And um, I've thought about that often because I think what we don't hear in the scriptures and what would be a natural state of his heart would be a really broken heart because I'm sure he really loved Saul. And I imagine that he went over and rehearsed over and over in his mind day and night, how could this happen in their friendship? And um, I think if we were to sit back and really think about that, David probably went through even a lot more than what was actually written in the scripture just because he was human. And he probably suffered a great loss emotionally and spiritually um, in that friendship when it was severed. And, I'm, and I often wonder too, did he constantly wish ask the Lord to restore that friendship. Did he, did he all, obviously he had moments where he, he could have killed Saul, but he didn't. And I know he wanted to honor the Lord, but I also wonder if that was out of love, um, love for his friend, if he just remembered, remembered the friend that he once had in Saul. And then we know Job, Job, who was a man of integrity. He didn't ask for a valley. The, the, Satan actually was was uh, roaming the earth and and the Lord actually said have you considered my servant Job I mean you know we we read that and do you stop and think and go do you know that that was an honor it sure didn't feel like an honor to Job but to the to the kingdom of heaven to the angelic host to to God on his throne have you considered my servant Job what what a profound statement Number one, it was personal, and he knew the heart of Job, and he knew Job could endure, and he knew he would walk with Job through it. I thought that was amazing. Job suffered the loss of his family, one member after another. He suffered loss of wealth. He suffered loss of health. And then even when he was down going through all that, he suffered the betrayal of his friends who misunderstood the heart of the Lord. And... Um, there was really very little in his life that went untouched. And um, there was a lot of his story that I had to glean, glean from in my, in my valley and, and just say, you know, Lord, I mean, is this, is this a Job moment for me? If it is, oh God, you restored Job. You restored all that the locusts ate. Now, did he have his initial family back from death? No, he didn't. He didn't. So I can't tell you that God restored everything as it was, but he did bless it abundantly in the newness that he was given. And then we also look at Joseph. Joseph, too, had to suffer betrayal of his brothers. He shared a dream that he had as a, young, a youth. He was just young and excited, sharing a dream, and his brothers were jealous, and they rejected him. And then they sold him into slavery. And then after that, he had to deal with false accusations from a woman that he didn't touch. And as I've reread, I've read and reread those script, those scriptures. He never was able to make that right. And I've thought about that often, and just said, Lord, why couldn't you have just set the record straight for him? 
But can you imagine that he had to die to that desire to have it the record straight? Uh, that he had to surrender all that to the Lord and just let the do, let the Lord do what he wanted. God was his defender and God God knew his heart. God knew the truth even if no one else did. Um, he ended up helping others uh, while he was in prison. He interpreted their dreams. And he thought one of them was going to help him get out of that prison, right? But what happened is he, he, he forgot about him. He forgot about him when he was in need. And don't you imagine at that point, Joseph was like, man, <laughs> what in the world is going on here, Lord? But see, God said in the scriptures, but God was with Joseph. So God never left Joseph. What we learn about Joseph is that it was the pits of that well. It was the prisons that led to his ultimate destiny. That he was in very high rank and that he was able to save many, many people in famine. God took him through a terrible valley and wilderness season in order to put his feet on royal soil. And I'm just saying to a few of you today, if not many, that God has taken you through a wilderness season that is actually a promotion it does not feel like a promotion. I do understand that. But if you can just sit with him and ask him the question, Lord, where is it you're wanting to set my feet? Is this a Joseph moment? Because Joseph was set on royal soil to care for people. He suffered to then go help those who were suffering. He went and gave compassion when his brothers came to him at the end needing help. They didn't know their brother was going to be there. And I imagine that was a moment for Joseph that was so overwhelming that he had waited what seemed like a lifetime for things to be made right, you know? But only God can do things like that with our lives. We hope today's episode has blessed you and encouraged you to pursue Christ passionately. To join us again for more encouragement, equipping, and empowering, Subscribe to the 320 Podcast. We would also like to invite you to enjoy our round-the-clock radio station, Royalty for Real Radio for Women, at royaltyforreal.com. That's royalty, the number four, real.com.